Welcome to Recommissioned, a bi-weekly podcast where we go back to watch Battlestar Galactica. Each week, I'm joined by my good pal Matt, who has only seen the episodes up to the one we're covering. Now, I've seen them all. And this week, we're covering Season 3, Episode 8, Hero. There is no way. Oh, it's true. And you know it's true. You've known it every second of every day since it happened. And the sooner you admit it, the sooner you might get that haunted look out of your eyes. Listen to me. Sometimes surviving can be its own death sentence. I know that. So, Matthew, we have... We're coming off of the, off of the heels of a very powerful discussion, a very intense discussion about things regarding morality and ethics and just stuff like this. And, I, and I'm curious, very, very curious, as to how you feel personally that this holds up here. Uh, how, how do you think, how do you feel about Hero overall? What do you think of Danny Novacek? What do you think of the plight of all this thing? But most of all, let's not bury the lead, Matthew. <laughs> all right. I want you to tell me what you think about this stuff with Adama, the Admiralty, possibly starting the war. Let's, let's recap that going in, and we'll start chewing on the fat right there, kid. Ooh, so start with that. Um, well, for one, I, dude... Just my overall take on the episode as an episode, uh, fucking phenomenal. I super, super enjoyed this episode. I, I, season three keeps outdoing itself. Like, I'm continually impressed with this season. This is excellent fucking television. I, I could not be happier with this episode as just a piece of TV. It was super entertaining, super thought-provoking. I'm rare and in Terran to talk about it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited that that all said um and also i like how this episode centered around just consequences consequences of very hard and maybe just outright bad choices um i think that's great i think that's to see adama have to grapple with this, with these things and like we've talked about a lot the separation between the crew and the civilians who were on the ground versus the crew and the civilians who were still up in the up in the air aboard the Galactica and among the fleet who didn't land on New Caprica is has, is a real divide. It's a real divide between feelings and experience, and and there's you know kind of some grudge holding of well we had it worse you know that kind of grumbling that is definitely leading to a decay in morale that I think all of the the brass are noticing at this point. Um, I think it's really cool that we go all the way back to the top Adama. And his poor choice and, and – or, you know, arguably a bad choice or just being involved in a, a, a sketchy operation and that coming back to bear and him having to face that hard choice that he made and the consequences of it being right in front of him again and that tying back up with Saltai. That shit is, is the best of this episode. I, I think it is so – Excellent how it built off of what we've already uh, – of the sorry state that Saul is in and, and him grappling with his guilt and his choices and him stepping up in this episode I think makes so much sense character-wise and story-wise. I'm oh, – man, I'm so pumped to, to get into that and to talk about that. Uh, and to be honest, as for my take about like essentially Adama being concerned about shit, it might have been that operation I was on that could have kicked off the war. And and in truth, what I think is really interesting is that this episode didn't reveal that in the sense of, oh my gosh, you might have started the war. What do you know? 
it's revealing that he's thought this the entire time, that Bill Adama has lived with the idea in his head that I might be responsible for all of this. It, it might have been that operation I was on where I had to fire on my own man and essentially uh, make the Cylons aware of our military presence crossing the armistice, armistice line. And that might have kicked off this entire thing. Holy shit, what a burden of guilt that Odama has been carrying around. And to be honest, I think Laura Roslin nails it on the fucking nose. Laura Roslin in this episode is a fucking boss. I, I am so about her in this episode. I think she fucking kicks ass. I can't wait to get to some of their conversations and her seeing through some bullshit and her talking straight with Adama. That was fucking fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I, I, dude, I'm just, I'm just ready. I'm just so ready to dive in here. Wow. That was impressive, sir. <laughs> that was a very strong and positive rant. I liked it. Ah, oh, I'm I'm bonered up for this one, dude. This one was so solid. Ah, oh, it's so good. I gotta be honest with you. I am I am really shocked that you're so high on it. Re- interesting. Why Why are you <clears throat> shocked? Um, I remember on first run, I thought it's kind of a weird episode because it's almost a bottle episode where it has to survive on its own amongst many other impressive and important arcs that we've started to develop and cultivate over time. And I, so, hmm, I, I think, I'll be honest with you, your enthusiasm for this episode has me reconsidering my barely liked it status. Interesting. Okay. I will say this though, this, this is a complicated episode for me. The, the, the stuff with Novacek is good. I, I'm not sure I love the, yay, it's all connected kind of thing. Like, uh, I don't know if I love that from a writing standpoint. Um, okay. and, and, and I can't, and I don't know why. So I'm just going to have to try to wrap my head around that as we go. Um, I think, you know, I think it's interesting that you see it that way. And I, and I feel like I know why, but I, I want to I save that for the kind of the part of the episode that I think unfolds that a little better okay yeah i don't so you think you know why i feel that way why you get that feeling of it's all connected it's all coming back kind of thing yeah Um, yeah not not like yeah i not and i don't even mean it like in the in the way i normally do which is very condescending when i rip on george lucas and the prequels but i do i didn't i i liked there's something about the miniseries and the horror of going to the armistice station for 40 years and the humans never having contact with the silence before then. There's something very terrifying and very haunting about that prospect about we have this armistice station out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody shows up. And I know we haven't talked about the miniseries in like three years. <laughs> I know. it's fucking And crazy. it's easy to forget, but I've seen it so many times. And for me, I almost feel like Ah, man, that's kind of a bummer that we're making it almost like the Gulf of Tonkin kind of thing where we're going to provoke a war or I I don't, the the admiralities, uh, like uh, me for one, you know, I love, I love a good conspiracy and I love a good, the government's at the forefront of the blame of this because they've secretly tried to broker war, right? I like that typically, but I don't know if I like it as much in Battlestar Galactica because of the way the setup was with the miniseries and how it just worked so much better for me originally. And I feel like the script for Hero kind of undoes that a little bit. And and not only that, but it puts Adama right at the forefront of that undoing. And Uh, I see. and, and, And I don't know if it's a bridge too far for me to swallow the fact that it's never come up before in any way, shape, or form. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know if, 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 if I'm stretching. I don't know if the show is stretching credulity by suggesting that Adama has carried the guilt of possibly starting the Cylon War and that we haven't seen the Cylons for 40 years and blah, blah, blah. And suddenly that isn't the case anymore because the man in question, Bill Adama, was at the forefront of this with this incident of doing surveillance into, I guess, what you'd call the neutral zone or the armistice zone, I, th- I think they call it in this, in this show. So right now, plot wise. So I'm 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 really talking plot here. Okay, I want to make it very clear that I think that despite some of my misgivings about the plot, that one of the things Battlestar Galactica always does very well is it relies very strongly on the performances of their actors, and I think their actors do a great job. I think definitely. I think it's executed well. I love like you in your early um, offerings. I love the stuff between Ty and Adama. I think it's fantastic. I like to see old friends talking again. I like to see Ty coming out of his shell and being useful and returning to the fold, so to speak. And that's something that I thought was exciting to me. I like the idea of what Starbuck stumbles upon, which is this, this, I've, I've figured out something here. It appears that they're missing on purpose. It appears that they're letting him go on purpose. That kind of intrigue is fascinating to me. And funny story, Ron Moore wrote the Defector episode in Star Trek The Next Generation. The Defector episode, it's called The Defector, I believe it's season four, is an episode I've seen so many times. And it's interesting watching Hero again and seeing how it's the same, written by the same guy. Long story short, in Star Trek The Next Generation, The Defector, there is a Romulan who's quickly speeding towards Federation space through the neutral zone in, in being pursued by other Romulans. So... We can see the similarities already. And he's saying, I seek asylum. I need help. You have no idea what's happening. I need to see your commander. And then come to find out in that episode, spoiler, it's 20 years old, that (laughs) the Romulans let him go. And they do a similar thing that Starbuck did. They watch the, the footage and they go, look, right here, the Romulans should overtake him. And they don't. They actually don't continue to close the distance and they let him get away. And I thought it was cool. That, again, we've talked a lot about Ron Moore, and we've talked a lot about Star Trek and how he relates to Star Trek and Deep Space Nine and some of the next-gen writing and how with Battlestar Galactica, he got to do what he wanted because he didn't have, you know, Roddenberry or whoever was next in line, uh, you know, stepping on his toes or getting in the way of what he thought was good creative vision. So pretty cool, man. It's, um, there's stuff like that I like. Like that, that's fascinating to me. Um... I don't mind a character like Novacek making an appearance now so much, especially if he was a prisoner, um, especially if we're kind of going off of that defector plot from TNG, which is they let him get away. They assumed he would turn his vengeance upon them when the truth came out. I think that is actually pretty interesting stuff. I I think personally, I'm just getting hung up on the rest of it. You know, I think we should just go ahead and I just want to go ahead and address it now because, I mean, for me, and it kind of jumps to the end of the episode, but I think since we're already on it, we should That's fine. talk about it. Um, but I, I side very much with Rosalind's uh, take on the situation. So I see it more as, you know, there was this black ops mission to, to go up to the armistice line to send a stealth fi- uh, fighter over to just do some reconnaissance and see what the Cylons are up to. And to me, I've, I find that... Very believable. I mean, that is the kind of wet work shit our government and every fucking government does. We're always peeking in on each other trying to see, well, what are they up to? And I can can imagine a government, you know, a colonial fleet just being 
unable to resist after 40 years of silence to at least like, God, should we just at least try and see what they're up to? Who knows what they're fucking up to? Maybe I totally agree with you there. A I, fleet, right. I, I totally agree with like things like listening posts, outposts, mm-hmm. patrols, all of that stuff makes total sense to me. I have, I have no issue patrolling right. your neutral zone border. That makes total sense to me. And so, so the part that I think bothers you that doesn't bother me is the idea that it was Adama's incursion and bulldog flying over and being detected that could have kicked off the war and changed the whole thing. I think when Roslyn says, I think you're being naive, there was no one thing that kicked this off. We were doing tons of things in those 40 years that was probably building up to this. And let's not also be naive about the Cylons. I'm sure they were planning their whole fucking takedown, that attack, for a long time. It is not Bill Adama's incursion that made that happen. I think what, it, what this episode no, 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 really no. shows— I agree with that. I agree with that. I, I'm right. sorry. And I, I, I don't think I, misre- I think I misrepresented my issue. My issue isn't— necessarily that my issue is that they found them at all what do you mean found the silence correct that they had any contact whatsoever well i see right 40 years nobody's heard from these guys in 40 years meanwhile bill's like i saw him like two years ago (laughs) you know what i mean secretly it it undermines it undermines the 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 entire setup as far as i'm concerned you know i i don't see it that way i I disagree like i feel like because even he says you know all all those years i told myself because andreas they didn't even have them identified as raiders even though hey it's across the other side of the armistice line it probably is and he was like i told myself all those years that i wasn't sure what those could be and i was lying to myself um and i don't think it's impossible that their their cylon fucking technology was scanning that that line constantly and you know any break or incursion over that line they would be on top of quickly um, and I feel like since the, the contact was so limited, like their, their stealth fighters started to get attacked and the, the, I guess it was the Battlestar of Valkyrie had to go ahead and shoot it down and then bust out of there. Um, I, I don't feel like that's a big, it, it, to me, it doesn't, now I would be on the same page as you if it was like, oh, we had this secret mission where we were actually talking to a Cylon ambassador and we'd had this relationship going and then something bad happened or they thought they got betrayed. And I think that might've kicked it off. Like if there had been some ongoing contact with the Cylons that's revealed now, I'd be like, that's lame. Um, but I feel like just this, this mission. And I think the big part of it is Adama feels this way about it because he was there. And then, in retrospect, knowing about the attack that you know happened, uh, you know, a couple months or less than a year later, he puts that burden on himself, thinking, "Well, shit, I was on that ship. I was in charge of that first mission that we touched up against their line. Maybe that's what kicked this all off." And I think Roslyn just pointing out that you are unnecessarily carrying this burden. Like, who knows all the things that led to this? Reality is far more complicated than one simple reason that kicks off an entire war between millions. Right, of right. People. Yeah, There's I, I so want much more. Involved. I, I, I want to try to separate those two points because I think that's important, and. Um, the, the the point of the, the the point of Adama taking let me, let me let me tell you what actually I don't mind I don't mind ironically I don't mind Adama taking on the burden feeling responsible having this moment of doubt going through all this stuff that makes sense to me what doesn't is getting to that like in other words Adama as a character the way he's written I could totally see him taking this the way he did if only it would have been set up better I guess is my point so for me I I like again I appreciate your enthusiasm I like what you're saying it's very exciting to me I I almost just feel like a black ops mission would have been cooler with 
without a galact without some sort of giant based Battlestar there, maybe with a smaller ship, maybe something else. Maybe this could have been written in a way to where they discovered this now and it wasn't uh, like on Adama's mind. Like it would have been, imagine that. Imagine what a cool discovery would have been for us as characters for Adama to go, wow, the Admiralty had some sort of black ops operation going on and that could have caused this thing. Now, if you do that, you sacrifice this burden that Adama has, but maybe there's another way to make it. I don't know. But I just thought it would be cool. It would be cool if if that was the case. If if or 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 maybe if Adama sent him in or or whatever. I I, I just I didn't again, I'm 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 trying to make shit up on the fly here. It's not gonna work. <laughs> but I don't again, I it's but I it seems like you're more annoyed the by the idea of of course our main character was there at this moment and this possibility. That it had to be Adama. It, it is, and 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 again, I, I go back to a Battlestar. the The Battlestar Valkyrie is a giant vessel. Everyone yeah. on that vessel knows that they made contact with Cylons, which means everyone in the Colonial Fleet's going to know that contact was made with Cylons a couple of years ago. So, if that's the case, don't fucking tell me that you haven't seen the Cylons for forty years at the Armistice Station, and and that's really creepy. Maybe it would have been cooler if in the miniseries they said, well, we've had border skirmishes with them. We've never actually spoken with them. We've had, you know, we spy on each other. We ping them. We, they ping us. We know. We, we know they're out there. But instead, yeah. what made it so fucking creepy is they're, they're just gone. That's yeah. so, such a creepy setup. That's why when you're watching the, uh, the miniseries for the first time and it's just like nobody's seen them in 40 years or, the, or, or they've never sent a representative in 40 years and it makes you feel like they've never been seen and that's just so creepy to me. There's something really, really terrifying about We just talked about this in our Monster of the Week role-playing game. This idea of just vanishing, just gone. Totally. They don't show up. And, and it would almost be cool. It'd be cool if you had time and, and, you know, we could probably do as an experiment to restructure this episode in a way that had them coming upon the discovery that they may in fact be, they, the human race, the Admiralty, may have been responsible for kicking off the Cylon War with bad diplomacy by trying to get cute and sending black ops missions into their space. And Adama right. feeling almost guilty about that because... He's a fucking admiral. And that's like, he's like, oh my God, all the things I thought, like maybe you're wrong. Maybe instead of being directly tied to the guy, but that's just, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I I feel like I would have appreciated that more than I did now. And, and, and I'll be honest with you. And I have a feeling it's probably because I've just seen the miniseries in the first season so many times, way more than I've seen season three and four. I've only seen these one, two times at the most. Maybe maybe only once. I've probably only seen some of these episodes in season three one time versus the miniseries in the first, say, 10, 12 episodes, you know, three, four times a piece. And as a result, because everyone, everyone I meet, I'm like, oh, you haven't seen Battlestar Galactic? Awesome. Let's, let's watch the miniseries. We're going to start here. And then, and then you go home and watch it. So I've seen it so many times and just that setup I love so much. And like, I do, like you, I do believe that there would be Black Ops. I, I absolutely believe that there would be stealth missions in the Cylon space to look for them. But I think it would be really cool if those vessels either just vanished without a trace or they found nothing. Because then it just makes it, it continues that creepy endeavor. But, but really, we're just sort of debating tastes. You know, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. It's just we're looking at it two different ways. And that's kind of fun. But all that shit aside... Right. There's plenty of good shit going on in Hero. And and, oh, yeah. and I really noticed that this time around. 
versus the first time I saw this episode, which was like, ah, now that I'm kind of over it, and especially even on the fly as you and I talk through it, I can really appreciate a lot of the other stuff going on in this episode, that's for sure. Right, man. I feel like there's so there's so much meat on the bone here, especially the, the kind of the trio of this episode being Adama, uh, Danny, and Ty, these like kind of definitely battle-worn soldiers who have all who are all grappling with guilt and 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 horrible circumstances together. Uh I just liked that setup. Cool, man. All right. So, you want to dive in, pal? Yeah, let's fucking dive into this bad boy. Nice. All right, pal. Let's go right into um opening shot we get a little slimy daniel face which you don't recognize you don't know who this is you just very intense close up on his eyes got goop all over him looking <laughs> looking uh, agitated right right um there i do like can i just say the the previously on yeah that was a good i really liked the previously on <laughs> compliments to the editor it, it was just cool to see it was just cool to see adama doing his thing right right reminding us of, of the outbreak of the war, the, the call being, this is not a drill. This is a silent attack. Right. Reminding us. Right. Right. Um, and that's when, you know, he does the, uh, you know, he does his speech in the miniseries. That's it. I'm going to see if I can find it real quick. Adama's speech at galactic decommissioning. He says the silent war is long over yet. We must not forget the reasons why so many sacrifice so much in the cause of freedom. The cost of wearing the uniform would be high. But sometimes it's too high. You know, when we fought the Cylons, we did it to save ourselves from extinction. But we never answer the question, why? Why are we as people worth saving? We still commit murder because of greed, spite, jealousy, and we still visit all of our sins upon our children. We refuse to accept the responsibility of anything that we've done. Like we did with the Cylons, we decided to play God, create life. When that life turned against us, we comforted ourselves and the knowledge that it really wasn't our fault. Not really. You cannot play God and wash your hands of the things that you've created. Sooner or later, the day comes and you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. Boy, see, honestly, within the context of this episode, I could imagine Adama already worrying like, fuck, is this this possibly a repercussion of, of the mission? And him saying that, like, our fucking choices are coming back. Because, I mean, at large, he's talking about the human being creation of Cylons. But at the same time, on that personal level, maybe he's thinking about this mission. For me, I like that something like that is at the back of Adama's mind while he still maintains morale, rallies everybody to the cause, keeps everything going forward. And in the back of his mind, just a little bit of worry of, God, did I start this? Yeah, he must have, he must be thinking he did, he must, based on this episode, I feel like he must have been thinking he has done it the whole time. A little bit, yeah. I mean, that's got to have been there. Yeah. I'm sure he's pushed it out of his mind a lot of the time. You would just fucking have to, to to get through each day, but uh, it's there. Yeah, it's a good, it's, I love that opening speech in the miniseries. The reason I'm bringing it up is I was curious as to what your take would be on it with the hero perspective, and I'm kind of analyzing my own take on it now because I'm just reading it for the first time, i.e. remembering it since the miniseries and thinking about it as it relates to hero. I was certain I was going to say it sort of diminishes it a little bit. It doesn't really enhance it for me like it does for you, but I wouldn't say it diminishes it for me, um, especially if he had put it out of his mind. But again, I'm I'm still kind of hung up on the nobody's seen them for 40 years thing when a whole Galactica 
you know, had contact with them. And I'm sure they're like, oh, this is top secret, blah, 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 but still. <laughs> right. But right. Um, I guess it just doesn't bother me as much. There you go. So want to go to the zoom in on Danny Novacek's eyes? Yeah, that's what I was talking about. The old greased up, <laughs> agitated looking, very unhappy man mm. getting pursued. Can, I can imagine. He's in a raider, much like Starbuck was. I know, yeah. I was like, damn, Starbucks got to know what this shit's like. Yeah, makes him pretty talented. Right? I was thinking about that, too, in this episode. That just, that's never really touched on, but just the fact that not only he escapes, I mean, of course, it's part of a Cylon plot. They're kind of letting him escape, but I'm sure they didn't walk him through how to get into and pilot a raider. I'm like, damn, that's actually pretty impressive. He just, I mean, yeah, I guess he was a pilot, so he was able to just fucking figure it out like Starbuck did. Originally, I was kind of down on this idea that he escaped in a raider because, again, we're we're doing the let's diminish how impressive it is that that Starbuck did such a thing because this guy escapes a jail and gets away, whereas Starbuck spent days trying to figure this thing out. Right? This guy what runs to a hangar and flies away. Mm, that's a decent point because yeah. he's, he's he's probably not hiding in the belly of the ship, taking time to learn it. But I also thought to myself, if they want him to escape, it's possible they made it easier in the Cylon. It's it's possible True. that they information somehow slipped to him. He was there three years. We don't know. Maybe he got access to books uh, purposely that allowed him to gain the knowledge he would need to manipulate the craft. And they, it was a planned design. Like again, like Ty says, the uh, the silence don't do anything by accident, right? It's possible mm-hmm. they were setting him up or and even grooming him to escape on a raider for the three years that they had him. Totally, totally. Or at least made it, you know, like you said, like when he gets out of his cell, he might have been in a cell very close to the hangar. Sure, and I'm sure. there might have been the closest raider might have been one that had its controls simplified. <laughs> right, yeah. He he definitely was. I mean, I mean, I don't, again, I'm nitpicking, but it begs the question why the deck crew wouldn't be like, wait, this something's different about this vessel, you know? But whatever, that doesn't matter. But these are the things I think of, right? As somebody who writes Monster of the Week stories, I always am trying to think of the like, where is the bullshit here? How do I how do I circumvent the bullshit? But um how do I wiggle through. But it makes total sense that he would escape if they want him to escape. That's I have no issue with that. Right, right. Els <laughs> are on the imagining- chat. Mysteriously the Raider had a joystick built in. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yo, man, is this a uh, joystick at USB? And just plug it in. Is it plug and play? <laughs> it's got Bluetooth. Can I listen to a podcast while I fly this? Actually, awesome, dude. Oh, but no, I, I, I do, I do really like the idea that the the Cylons have been interrogating him and and figuring out. Wait, what was the operation he was on? Who was in charge? How did it play out? There might be a seed here, and then this that's such perfect seat, sneaky ass Cylon bullshit of like, oh. There could be the potential for extremely bad blood between this guy and Adama. Let's get him back to Adama somehow. <laughs> like letting him do your dirty work, you fucks. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and we go from Novacek right to the lovely painting of uh, Gaius Baltar. Uh, don't you? I, you would put a bid in on that, wouldn't you? So distinguished and beautiful. I would, and I would send it to Taylor Galloway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and after you, after you paint on a little heart with a little kissing. Yep. For you, Taylor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Your favorite boy. But this is cool. I like the. I like the. I kind of like the scene of the moving back in under the colonial one reestablishing your command post, so to speak. Right, right. Getting all this shit out of here. Get all this fucking Gaia shit out. And uh, Roslyn suggests putting the picture over the toilet. Yeah, that's cute. Uh, <laughs> and she's looking at the Battlestar Valkyrie. 
What a coincidence. That's right. It was the very first uh, briefing that Billy had put together for her. Uh, And I guess it has a rundown on Adama and his file and his record. And that's when she finds the picture of him aboard the Valkyrie and even sees the date of his, like, joining the service and realizing, oh, wow, you know, in just a day or so, it's going to be 45 years that he's been in the colonial fleet. We should make an occasion out of this. Yep. I like it. I like her plan here. I like her thought process. Yeah, 45 like years of distinguished service. That's 45 years, mm. dude. <laughs> he has been a soldier longer than he's been a, a human. <laughs> like, <laughs> so long. Damn. I don't know if that math plays out. He's been a soldier longer than you've been a human, not than he's been a human. That is true. <laughs> a civilian human, dude. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, you mean a garbage person. Exactly, yeah. What about us Jody Fox? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we have our uh, we have our incident. We have our our moment on the CIC. We have Dreadus picking up. Uh, we we got contact here, dude. This is cool. And I mean, j- just the setup for this alone is just cool. They're, they see they get on Dreadus three uh, three raiders. They're all flying. But wait a minute, two of them are shooting at the other one. Like that's already just a shocking. Like wait a minute, that is not shit that Cylons do. Right. Very cool. And, um, There's no treachery among them. <laughs> one of my favorite parts about this is Starbuck rolling out, going, "I don't care how many there are, let's blow them all away." Yeah, fuck them. I don't them. care. I don't care who's shooting at who. We're, they're all targets, right? <laughs> I love how she's excited too. Like, hey, they're so busy shooting at that guy, we can go right up their ass, and yeah. kill them all. Which is funny Screw coming it. from somebody who was in this position before. Kind of, kind of. I, know, I love the irony. The most, it's kind of neat. The most gung ho, demanding that cat take the shot. Come on, take the shot. <laughs> It's well, like, he, girl, you better be lucky you weren't in charge the day this was happening for you. Yep. And then he gives the colonial mayday of Crypter, Crypter, Crypter. I'm wounded. Dude. This, I mean, see, again, for me, this is such a cool moment to see play out on Adama's face, where everybody else is like, what is that? Where's that coming from? Who, Bulldog, what is this? And Adama being the only man in the room to know exactly who that is and knowing that voice. And not only that, just thematically, you know, we find out later on about how the mission played out, and we actually hear it. And when when Bulldog was shot, he was saying the same thing: "Cryptor, Cryptor, I need you know, I need a rescue, I need a rescue." And for him to reemerge, for Adama to hear him for the first time in years saying the same thing, coming back to you, needing a rescue, and kind of making the opposite choice here. Like he, you know what what a coward does in this situation? What an actual snivelly fucking you know <laughs> Daniel uh, from There Will Be Blood does is just goes ooh. Bulldog's alive? Oh shit, that's not good for me. But hey, in this in this moment, I can just say, yeah, go ahead and take the shot, and they'll waste him, and this won't be a problem for me. Like I think it says a lot about Adama's character that he, in this moment, could get off scot free. Like nobody knows he could have this guy offed. It was a black ops operation. No one knows about it. It will be wiped away forever, and he can walk away without ever having anyone know. But he instead says, stand down, order them to not fire immediately. And we're gonna take him in. That's a very good point, man. And I'm glad you brought it up. Um, it's I hadn't I hadn't even considered because one of the things I was thinking was a lot of times in the past we'd seen Adama probably would assume Cylon treachery and might be like, wait a minute, <laughs> True. We, I know this yeah. guy's dead. This is a bad guy. It's kind of interesting to see your take on it, which I actually like a lot because it makes me think of how interesting it is for him thinking that he can reconcile the past. You know that he can that he can confront this thing and, and, and go through it versus going around it, so to speak. 
Plus, right, he I mean, likes. I, plus, he likes Bulldog. Yeah, exactly. Like he was never down on the guy at all. It was just a horrible situation. He had to make a horrible choice. Um, but I, I, again, I just I think that's such a cool. I think why I'm so happy about the writing of this whole scenario and Novacek coming back is it just speaks volumes about Adama's character. Like, like truly, how often does anybody in real life or even in a fucking show or movie get a golden ticket to go, here's this problem that could expose you and make you look really bad and, and just bring it, be a whole nightmare for you, but you can essentially snap your fingers and make it go away, even though it's kind of the shitty thing to do, or you face it down and, and accept it, and you're the only person who can accept it and bring it on and face the consequences of your own choices. And the fact that he chooses to, all right, this is, this is the right thing to do. And I'm going to take him on. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty high, strong character, man. Yep. Um, he squirts out of the bottom of that thing, like a newborn, so beautiful gross. baby. Uh, so gross. Uh, he, that fucking Cylon afterbirth. He weakly salutes Sadama with a shaking hand and everyone is trying to figure out what is going on here. To be honest, the only thing that I felt was uh, silly about the scene, which it's not the scene's fault at all. It's just um, he when he first emerges from the ship and stands up and, and his hair is kind of wet and hanging in front of his face, I was like, he looks a lot like Lil Yachty. That's kind of weird <laughs> for this scene. I was like, ah, it's kind of funny. But anyways, I'll get past it because I actually like him saluting Bill and being like, is this real? Is, this, is that really you? <laughs> <laughs> Little Yachty. Lil Yachty. Damn, dude, you're the so... The internet just loves him. You are, you know all your guys, man. I'm proud of you, buddy. <laughs> I got all my guys, my action figures on the wall. Yeah, you got them all lined up real nice. <laughs> real, real nice. Um, and that's the beginning of the episode. There we are. Off to the race. Well, we get a little bit of a look in here, don't we? Yeah, this is the mission. The actual mission that led to Bulldog's POW stint. Yeah, the mission that leads to his POW stint, exactly. Um, should we, uh, should we have a listen to it? Ooh, let's. All right. We may never have this opportunity again. I'm assuming you appreciate the consequences if you're discovered. And you understand, Commander, that this conversation did not happen. Are you prepared for this? Of course, sir. Of course he is. He's fucking Bill Adama. One condition, he says. I need my men. What about the... I want my men all over me. What about the men? (laughs) So, yeah, he says, I need my men, right? Especially Especially for the the stealth ship. ship. There's one pilot I trust. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I, I am glad that... We did not back in the episode where Chief made his stealth ship. I'm glad we didn't get like panic sweats from Adama. <laughs> oh God, not one of these! Like, ugh, that would have been a little, a little too far. Um, let's talk about the Cylon detector stuff. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's been so long since we've seen it on the show. For one, I just kind of forgotten about it. I was like, oh yeah, they have that. But I'm trying to remember. Because again, I, I feel bad for anybody listening to the podcast who's like, you know, has just been binging from the beginning and keeping up with the show. Sorry if it, if they're ever like, man, why does Matthew not fucking remember that? That was only like eight episodes ago. It's been a long time actually since I've seen the episode where they're they're making the silent detector. Um, I'm trying to remember. Didn't wasn't there some Gaius sabotage or something with that? Like it wasn't he he couldn't get it reliable. Am I remembering that wrong? 
Say that again? Their Cylon detector. I thought it was something, I thought it was never fully reliable. Am I wrong on that? Um, it's not entirely reliable from a writing standpoint. <laughs> okay. Which is sadly the best I can say about it without getting too crazy into spoilers. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. So I don't want to say much about that, but we do remember there was a moment when Gaius was like, oh, you're, you're, when, when it turned red for Sharon and he's like, oh no, very, very green, very green. And he needed a nuke to do it and blah, blah, blah. And presumably Cottle knows how to use it, I guess. Evidently. Um, Because I I just, I was trying to remember the episode. I was like, did he ever, I was trying to remember if Gaius like fully finished it, handed it off to the fleet. Like, all right, here you go. It's ready to use. Put it in action. Go for it. Like it it seemed like it was always something in Gaius's lab and he was tinkering with it. And it was never quite finished or or reliable. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I guess they have a, you know, we'll just make the leap of, okay, they have a finished version now that works as best that we know. But he says something different. He says, we've checked your DNA signature, whatever that means, against your military records, and it's conclusive you're not a Cylon. So I don't know what they're saying there. Are they trying to say that if he was... Maybe maybe Cottle's trying to say, well, if you were copied, because they don't know how the fucking Cylons work. Nobody knows, right? right. If you were or copied... Or help the actual... The real guy could have been a Cylon the whole time. I don't know. Maybe he was. Right, right. which begs the question, this method might not be totally reliable. Because if he's been a Cylon the whole time, of course his DNA would be matched. Oh, I see what you mean. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, I think think what we're supposed to believe here is that Coddle is checking what they have on record for Novacek based on what they have now with him sitting in the room. And they're saying, oh, they seem to be a match. And if you were a copy, we'd be able to tell. Okay, I, you know, it's funny. I didn't even see it that way. Um, I, I I assumed that they were they were checking against the old DNA and making sure it was correct, but that they had also like run his DNA through their Cylon detection system uh, to try and see if that was if his it, DNA ever came up as it, Cylon. <laughs> it it's kind of says that, but I'm not sure how they do it. Right, right. I think that's one of those writing leaps we're just going to have to swallow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so take me through this next scene here. Well, this is this is when he talks to Rosalind about it, correct? You know, we think he was captured. Uh, he was captured three years ago. And Rosalind says, well, I'd like to meet him. And he says, of course. Awesome. Of course she does, because she's probably skeptical. Wouldn't you be? Right? Oh, 100%. Like, I, again, I am very high on, on Rosalind in this episode. I think she basically makes all the right moves, says all the right thing. I feel like if you're the president at this point, you had a Cylon Raider come aboard and a person come out who Adama recognizes, you still go, mm, that needs to be questioned ferociously. Like that, we can't just trust that. Right, yep. And uh, But first, we're going to have a meeting between Bill and Bulldog. Dude, this is so good. I actually really like the dialogue here. <laughs> How did you get out of there? Well, sir, it's like this. The accommodations, you know, have were lousy. Was there for three years, and uh, eventually I decided to leave. <laughs> that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Service was slow. Was like that's fucking badass. All right, let me pull up the Cylon detector wiki. I'm not going to display it, but I want to just take Please a don't. peek at it. So created by Baltar. I got to be careful what I say here. So the test is administered by subjecting a person's blood to plutonium embedded in a carbon nanotube matrix. Hence the need for the nuke, right? A filter, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. This is because Cylons are susceptible to certain kinds of radiation, such as that of the storm around Ragnar Anchorage. Remember that? 
The plutonium was taken from one of Galactica's nuclear warheads at the suggestion of six in Bastille Day. The test results are simple, either red or green. Yet with a single test cycle lasting approximately 11 hours, that's another interesting thing. That's right. Baltimore estimates it'll take 60 years to test the whole fleet, assuming 50,000 people. That's in timey up, timey down. Um, six degrees, water, and active contrition, or I can read all these. Development work on the silent detector had previously been halted when Baltar was accused by Shelley Godfrey of being a traitor <laughs> and temporarily thrown in the brig. Baltar's innocence was proven by Felix Gaeta, who had previously been ordered by Commander Dama to assist Baltar in the development of the device. Although considered a military secret, the silent detector is nevertheless the subject of constant rumors and innuendo. Nice. Messenger 6 is the one, or Head 6, who initially suggests the construction of the silent detector by using the nuclear materials. Baltimore was put in charge of the project because of his genius and his earlier detection of the fleet's first silent infiltrator, Aaron Doral, which was also greatly influenced by the image of number 6. Ironically... The Cylon detection method that Balthor claimed to have used on Doral was pure technobabble. I remember that. Yeah. He continues. Ooh, we're getting into bad territory here. The functioning de- detector created by <laughs> Balthor confirms that Sharon Valerie is indeed a Scion. Scion. <laughs> Scion TC. A do Scion you TC. think you could? Do you think you could? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, a Cylon. A fact that Baltar hides from Valeria, fearing that her persona would do, <laughs> would do, uh, what would, for fearing what her persona would do to him. I remember that. Remember? Six oh, yeah. was like, oh, maybe she'll break your neck. After discovering that it would be easier for him to make all the results green, Baltar alters the device to mimic this method of thinking. Tie me up, tie me down. However, after Sharon Valeri shoots Commander Adama, everyone believes the silent detector to be a failure thinking that it did not pick up on her Cylon nature. Because of the abandonment of the detector, haha, here we go, Dr. Sherman Cottle is limited to comparing the DNA of Daniel Novacek uh, to check that they are not duplicates. There you go. Okay. So they don't have any, yeah. Nope, yep. Tori Foster points out in this episode, by the way, that um, this method method is is ineffective. If the subject was always a Cylon, which right. is right. So there we go. Yep. And then so they can check and see if this is a a human, actual, still human, or a Cylon copy. But they can't tell to see if that was a, a Cylon the entire time that he's been known. That's right. And then the last paragraph I cannot read. Okay. So important. I'm glad we. Co- I'm glad we took the time to do that. So good stuff to know. Good reminder for all of us. Um, so yeah, it was. It's incomplete. Only Baltar knows how to really truly use it. And and. Coddle's just going off of sort of a rudimentary test by comparing records. There we go. All right. right. So which is as much as they can do. Which would have been less confusing for you if they didn't show the actual detector. <laughs> right. right. If they well, would have just shown running. him running a computer simulation comparing DNA strands, it probably would have made more sense to us. But yeah, that might have thrown you off. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Just a little bit. But no. I guess back to this scene where, you know, no yeah, one's talking talking to Adama, you know. I just like how you know, he kind of gives him the funny answer when he first asks, how did you get out of there? And he's like, well, I'm glad they didn't beat the sense of humor out of you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like, all right, but for real, how did you get out of there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. He, and he's like, he starts going down. Well, they all started getting sick, which is a perfect story. I mean, he's like, I mean, really sick. This We just came across this. We, you know, this is something Galactica has seen. They know what it looks like. You know, and he tells him, we've seen that too. So and he, he says, yeah. 
Let me tell you something about this episode that made me like it more than the original viewing. I totally missed that that was an utter gambit. By the Cylons? Yep. Yeah. She wasn't sick. No. Yeah, totally. Yeah. When I first saw it, I was like, God, that's really dumb and super convenient. <laughs> that they would all be sick at the same time. No, th- no three years shit. earlier. Oh, no, 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 no. Because he just escaped. So yeah, I was he like, just escaped. So I was like, God, that's kind of dumb. But no, yeah, they were fucking tricking him. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Making themselves look weak. I thought I was going to die in there, Bill, he says. And Bill just considers it for a moment. But a while ago, they all started getting sick. I mean, real sick. Mm-hmm. And said that they thought it was spreading. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and I slowly realized that I'm not catching it. I'm not getting sick. Yep. This is, his moment is coming. Right. What, what do you suppose, do you suppose that this is, do you suppose that going through faking this whole thing just helps kind of cement this story as more believable? Do, do you think, in other words, if you're the Cylons, are you thinking maybe they maybe they will like what what's with the why the subterfuge on the sickness? How do you think it furthers it for? How do you think it furthers the subterfuge? I guess I just think it makes his escape believable because I mean otherwise it would just beg the question of how in the fuck I did mean they you escape the like, ship? Yep. How how All did right. one man escape a Cylon base star? And I think the Cylons knowing I, I feel like it's implied that the Cylons also know that the humans, that, that Galactica has come across their dead ships and has seen the sickness and knows about it. Um, so they, they realize, well, this would be a perfect cover story because it would make sense for him to have gotten off of uh, an infected ship where nobody would be able to stop him. Perfect. I, I agree with that. And that's another thing that I kind of overlooked at the time. And it's funny, you know, <laughs> there's this sort of epiphany I'm having as we discuss Hero. And that's despite a couple of my hangups, which which are unfortunate in this episode. I, I definitely find myself coming around on it more just by talking through it, because sometimes it's it's weird. Sometimes obvious details might just escape me, depending on the day, depending on how much fucking sleep I've had. You know what I mean? And and it's mm-hmm. weird. It's weird to consider. It's 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 interesting to to be like, oh, this is kind of all really goofy, and being. In, in not in, in not allowing pride to get in my way to where I can say, oh, I kind of missed that, and now rethinking it, it makes better sense to me. Therefore, it's more favorable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. right. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of like those are that was something I I thought, hmm, why all this stuff? Well, that couldn't he just have couldn't he just escape as normal? But no, it makes sense based on what they all saw prior. People dying all over the place can barely stand up, can't right. stand up, to be honest with you, for him to I be also able think to just it makes, get out of there. It makes sense for, for him to to escape in this moment and make contact. Like, they allowed him to escape at this moment because they're like, well, hey, we have a perfect cover story for him being able to escape us. Now that Galactica is aware of this disease and, and this is an actual issue, we can use that as a cloud of – you know, of, of subterfuge to say, oh yeah, this guy got away from us. It's also, a, it's also, it's also a cloud of, um, disinformation. Totally. Oh, right. Yeah, totally. It's not only is it a good cover story for Novacek, it's a good cover story f- for you to waste your resources thinking that there's a sick fleet out there that maybe you can capitalize on when in fact there is not a sick fleet out there. Right. To hide your strength. To Correct. Make, to make your enemy think that, ah, oh, you're weak. Go ahead. Come in for the kill. And we're just waiting for you. Absolutely. Full force. Yeah. And who knows how much time they're going to spend. And I guess we'll have to see in future episodes on the very fact that this virus is probably still around and that it wasn't, in fact, 
killed when um, Hilo vented those people, in, or not vented them, but suffocated those. When the hero Hilo <laughs> suffocated those five guys in their cell blocks, right? <laughs> hero, a champion of the people. He saves people by suffocating them. <laughs> Whispering into their ear as the life drains out of their eyes. This is for a cause. He's banging on the glass. The right I'm reasons. saving you as they turn blue. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. <clears throat> so they have a little chit chat, and that's when they bring uh, they bring her in, right? Don't they bring in the press? They do, and I actually love this edit too because at first he's telling Bill the story just on his own, telling him how it happened, and then when we cut back from that story, it's Rosalind. Rosalind's there, and she's like. Let's go back even further. Let's clarify this some more. Like I like I like her suspicion. It's a believable suspicion and and caution about the situation of like, all right, let's really lay this out. So you're on this mission with Admiral Adama a year before the Cylon attacks uh, of the colonies, and she just starts going through it, forcing him to really say it all out. And also, I think importantly, she's getting him to talk about these things because she wants to watch Bill's face. She wants to watch how he's reacting to it and and just getting a feel for the whole thing. Because there's also, I mean, from Rosalind's position, you got to also imagine if Bill knows this guy, there might be a little bit of a compromised judgment. Uh, He might not be seeing the whole picture. Yeah. And let's not forget that Rosalind is very, very attuned to that basic fact about Bill Adama in every type of situation where they were at odds with each other. Totally, yeah. Right, you can be too close to things. Like I will board your ship. I, am, yeah. I, oh, I will board your ship, Rosalind, and I will terminate your presidency. I will board your ship, your ship, Admiral Kane, and I will get my men back. Right, I will waste fleet resources to rescue Starbuck. I will do that. I will risk the entire fleet. I will dismiss Colonel Ty for being right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. It's kind of cool. So, so that history here is clear, where we see where we see Roslyn really just, hey, I know how you can be, pal. So I'm going to come talk to this guy myself. That's it. And, and to be honest, what, what happens here is Novacek and Adama both look at each other and proceed to lie to the president. They give her the cover story. Mm-hmm. They give her the cover story of, oh, it was Tauron Settlers, which I guess was another yeah, colony, yeah. Like kind of yeah. the outlaw colony. Tauron. Um, am yep. I wrong? Or was that, was that the one that um, uh, Zarek was uh, is a part of? Um, Zarek, I don't think so. I don't think he was, I think he was from Sagittarion, but I don't, I don't recall. As you say it, that sounds correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they were saying that there were some, there were basically, they they were mining there very close to the armistice line and it risked provoking the Cylons. And so they were headed out there to try and get the, the Tauron miners to leave, I suppose. That's the cover story bullshit that they're telling. Right. Um, yeah, that's funny. They're all the Zodiac signs. I know. Yeah. It's for fucking cool. <laughs> that amazing moment on Cobal, right? Ah, so good. So yeah, they give the cover story. Tarwans are drilling, right? They were fracking for Tillium. Well, we can't say fracking this without it meaning the other thing, but. <laughs> they yeah. were fracking, fracking. In other words, they were doing it too close to the armistice line and we knew we had to get them out of there. It's a really bad lie because it is. there's nothing wrong with you exploiting resources 
in your own territory, regardless of how close to the line you are. Right. 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 I mean, if there had already been reports of their ships going over the line, trying to tap into asteroids nearby, that or, or line, just yeah, a ship, that would be a again, problem. I, I'm a, I, lo- I get a boner for disappearing. Or the ship just vanishes. Fuck. Totally. We lost like, a whole. Right, we lost a whole. Going on. Yeah, we lost a whole. T- we're talking past each other. I think we got delayed tonight. Um, we have a whole Toron, you know, drilling fleet just vanished. Right. That would suck. Right. That would be that would be a problem that needs addressing. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, but they, he also goes on to say that it was the Tarans who shot down Novichek, mm-hmm. that they came out and they shot him down. Right. Not so much, though. Mm-hmm. No, indeed. Too close to and, uh, We didn't want to provoke the Cylons, basically. Right. And it's actually, you know, what I think is interesting about the scene, too, is it's actually, I can't remember her name, um, but it's Rosalind's aide, her new, Tori. her new and improved Billy. Tori. Yeah, Tori is the one to point out, well... But he did eject somehow, obviously. He's alive, and the Cylons had time to find him. So, interesting. Yep, they ambushed him. Novacek right. was because shot that's already Because mm-hmm. you would think about it, that's already a major problem with their story, saying, okay, he got shot down by the Tarons, and okay, maybe even if he survived that, well, wouldn't it have been the Tarons who picked him up? Like, why was he a Cylon prisoner? Right. That's already, I mean, like, you can tell Laura's sniffing that out, just like, mm, <laughs> that feels off. Right, right. Getting shot down and then drifting into Armistice territory seems unlikely. Right. And just getting nabbed up by the Cylons and being held for three years. They And also, I mean, at the end of the day, you would think, why didn't the Cylons just fucking kill him? Mm-hmm. I mean, why would they hold on to It seems like that already, to be honest, is another oddity for me in this episode of like, why would the Cylons hold on to him for so long? Unless they were able to figure out very early on that he was directly reporting to Adama and that they thought that that could be useful to them and in, in the future. But, the, but at that point, Adama wasn't the big bad threat to them. He wasn't the leading, you know, military officer of the human race. He was just another, you know, commander among them. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. And that's when they, that's when they just asked him, well, what did you do? I made a bad call. His ship was gone. Because Adam was saying, oh, at the time, there was no ejection. There was no distress call. There was no cryptor, cryptor, cryptor. He was dead. I just left. All right. Yep. So I'm out. <laughs> and dude, as soon as, you know, Rosalind actually asks, can, you know, can we have a moment? And Tori takes Novacek to go and look and see if there's any, he has any living family among the fleet. And as soon as they leave the room, Rosalind just looks at Adama and is like, so when are you going to tell me what really happened? Like, this is, huh. this is bullshit. Sniff this shit out immediately. <laughs> And awesome. At this point, he just says, "I just need you to trust me on this. It's my mess, and I'm going to fix it." Right? She leaves. She does. He, you know, no. He he kind of stands up and almost oh, yeah. dismisses her out of the room, which she's not thrilled with. No. <laughs> but then he turns around and has a, a a very small, you know, outburst of anger, just as you'd imagine he would. Let's talk about Diana Diana's. Why, can, why, yeah. why am do, I do saying I it that run, way? Di, di, uh, Diana. <laughs> Diana. Um, Diana. She was, um, sadly, what I what you don't realize is that she was stalking the hallways looking for my quarters. I know. She and was looking. These soldiers. These fucking. These cock-blocking soldiers. Come over here. Fucking ding-dong Marines getting in my way. Hey, if you can't, if I can't have it, nobody can. You're under arrest. <laughs> Cylon, hot ass Cylon scum. Oh shit! If I can't have you, nobody can. <laughs> the ah, the the, cry, the shouted cry of all stable men. <laughs> Do you know the first time I heard that? Uh, it was in Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> and you're okay. gonna you're gonna shit when I tell you 
um, who are the actors in that particular episode? Because I think it was like Demi Moore, right? Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of big stars on that show. It, it's, yeah. yeah, I think the episode's called Dead Right. Uh, Demi Moore and Jeffrey Tambor. Jeez. Damn, dude, you have a startlingly better memory. No, 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 that's IMDb. That's IMDb. <laughs> oh, okay, but even just the fact that you remembered that phrase the first time you heard it yeah. from, was from an episode of Tales well, from the Crowd. I'm like, well, I have because, no idea. Because first he's, time I heard that. he's stabbing her to death as he says it. It's really fucking gruesome. Uh, oh, shit. If I can't have you, nobody can. He's like fucking stabbing her and he's really fat. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Well, you know, impressionable young minds, Matthew. (laughs) It stays in there. (laughs) I'm going to remember this. So let's, uh, hold on, I'll I'll pop it up real quick. Yeah, it is. That's 100% who it is. Tambor and Demi Moore. 19, episode aired in 1990. That's bananas, dude. Holy shit. Anyway, back to Deanna. (laughs) <laughs> Should we just run through the whole yes. uh, Cylon plot? Yes. It's pretty small. It's a pretty uh, small yep. part of this episode. Yep. yep. Why don't you take me through it? Um, can you handle yeah, that? Yeah, well, we, sure. Well, we, we start out on Deanna's nightmare of being caught and killed. I love the end of the, the line the on the door. End of the line. It just gets wasted. Um, interesting that Cylon's having nightmares. I find that very interesting. Uh, and then... We realize that, she, like, we, after that, we do realize that it was just a nightmare, and that Gaius Baltar is the luckiest fucking asshole oh, in the universe. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, Dude, well, getting, you bang Lucy Lawless and Trisha yourself, Helford. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, see that's that's real. The real the suicide hotline prevention should really just be <laughs> you blow your brains out. You might not ever even get to have a threesome with Lucy Lawless and Trisha Helfer. Come on, <laughs> gotta hold on to hope. I can think of worse ways to spend an evening. <laughs> it's still possible. <laughs> no better maintenant than toi. So yeah, we see this is the end of the line stuff, and then and then what happens after that? Well, that's when she, you know, like you said, wakes up in bed with with Gaius, 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 and Gaius. Fucking saying it like assholes tonight. What the fuck? It's like a musical. Gaius, (laughs) Gaius. Yeah, we turned it into an opera. Dude, Galactica could could be such a good opera. I don't even give a fuck. It actually would work. Uh, but no, yeah. So this is when I'm trying to remember the next the next time we were. There's really only now that I'm thinking about. There's really only one more scene with it it's when she's on the the bridge of the cylon yep. ship and six comes over to her and is asking her like oh are you you having nightmares again you seem a little rattled and she's saying no it was something different uh and she goes into basically i guess just telling her that she thinks god's trying to tell her something and not about gaius that it's beyond that it's more important than that and then we get this kooky ass scene of her ordering uh, a cylon you know sentry to murder her and to also delete the order from its logs, to to delete the memory of doing it from its from its you know CPU, I suppose. And in the between space from her dying and waking up in the resurrection ship, she is in the same exact bizarre shrine that uh, Gaius and Six were in when they were seeing their half breed baby, mm. which is utterly bizarre and inscrutable, and I don't know what to make of it, <laughs> but. Something else is uh, she's being cu- clued into what Head Six knows. It seems like. Am I am I off? Yeah, the Opera House. 
The Opera House, man. Yep. Speaking of operas. Dionysa in the opera. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing I want to mention about this scene before we steam past it is I love the little bit of frailty from Six. It's about guys, isn't it? Because obviously we know he just fucked her with you. I love the jealousy creeping in. It's it's so human. So human. It's great. And uh, yeah, yeah, she she comes back and is facing herself. And oh, there's something beautiful, I believe she says. Miraculous between life and death. Cool. And I got to say one, and I know this is probably completely and totally incorrect. And it's just a fun theory for me to think about. But I love the idea that maybe Cylon religion, even like their 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 idea of of God and the visions they've seen, is actually just that flicker of of like whatever you know the, their version of seeing the light when when they're dying. It, it's actually during their resurrection they get some weird brain activity that makes them see visions, and it's actually just some some weird like neural crisscross that makes them see stuff. But they've based their whole religion out of these visions, <laughs> like DMT. Like that, Right, yeah, like that. I was like, that'd be funny if it turns out like no, your whole belief system was just the weird misfires of your brain as you're being resurrected. I love when she emerges and, and when she does say the dialogue and just the looks on the other Cylons' faces. I find really telling. They almost seem shocked, like whoa, this is, or at least Six does. She shows some emotion, right? But I, and I, what I find really strange is is exactly what you said is what the other Cylons must be thinking of this because I mean this must be a fairly recent revelation of a fairly recent resurrection uh, of her um, that like it sounds like this just happened so this is new like we're not not we're not seeing something old um, and I'm right because we we know she's been killed before right yeah exactly and she didn't see anything then yeah a new but, revelation but I find. But what I find bizarre is that she ordered the the thing to kill her. Like, why? Why did she want? It's it's almost like she already had some inclination that there would be something that she would see the next time she died. Mm, right. She probably had been thinking about it, and wanted to experience it. Maybe, maybe in having dreams and and having memorable dreams as of late, it made her wonder if there was something beyond. You know, maybe. Maybe she took the dream as some sort of direction to off herself to maybe get some sort of prophetic vision or some sort of glean some vision, glean some wisdom from her dream or her or her transition from death to resurrection. It's possible. Right. Must just assume something would be there. Hmm. But it's also I, I did find another just like it's a small writing thing that I'm just like, okay, whatever, I'll just accept this <laughs> but the idea that yeah maybe she wouldn't kill herself like with a, a handgun or something because that would seem suspicious among the cylons but how do you explain just finding a dead deanna in a hallway with a bullet hole in her chest that is also the exact size of a cylon sentry split they probably do but they probably it's 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 probably too late you know i don't know why she said to wipe the memory because she was gonna she was going to resurrect anyway. They know she got. They know she probably didn't die on some posting somewhere. I'm not even sure why she did that. Yeah, like the whole that whole thing's kind of weird. Right, doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, it's I don't like think. she doesn't want them to know that she ordered a sentry to do this, but they would still find your corpse and figure it out. So right, I don't know. <laughs> it's a little weird. Right, for sure. It's a faux pas. But that's pretty much it. That's all the looking on the Cylons we get here. No, nothing from Gaius. No dialogue from nope. Gaius here. But we do see him mingling among the Cylons on their their deck and yep. like looking over their main computer system. So it does seem like there's a little more trust thrown his way, at mm. least a little bit. Indeed. 
Colonel Ty. Ooh, good old fucking Ty this episode, man. He's amazing. So fucking good. And so fucking burnt out. <laughs> he is. I like I like <laughs> Adama walks into his quarters and he just taps, you know, he's looking, he's like testing his peripheral vision without the eye. I see it. I see it. Like he's trying to see how far in front of his other of his good eye he has to move it before he can see something. And doesn't doesn't he doesn't uh, Michael Hogan here just have the perfect amount of interest in Bulldog being alive? Like it's not right. overwhelming because we know what mental state he's in, but it's just enough to kind of get him out of bed and to get him talking amicably to Bill. Totally, and it, and it's extremely believable that he for has sure this reaction that yep. that it, you know it's just one of those things where he was there and he was like oh shit just like you I thought he was dead any coming from anybody even if it wasn't Bill if, if Gata had walked in there and said hey uh, did you know Bulldog he's actually back and on the ship he would be like oh wow that's crazy didn't think I'd ever hear that name again um, like I like that and you know Adama's coming down here. It's such a great line from, from Ty where he's like, you want my opinion as XO or your friend? Like, what, <laughs> which one you want? And you know Adama's down here for the friend. Like, he won't say it. <laughs> but that's 100% what he, he needs to hear a little bit of a advice, opinion from his confidant. It's funny because I feel like this is one of those rare cases where you know, you know, it's funny. We always, whenever we're talking about these guys, whenever we're discussing how this is going to go down, it's always, it always seems to come down to, we know Ty makes good and great calls and stuff like that. But when push comes to shove, we always want to make sure Dom is making the final calls and a lot of the big things because he just has a better grasp of command. We, I, I almost feel like that's almost an unwritten agreed upon truism that Adama is the better leader, so to speak. But I got to tell you, I have a feeling that this episode would have been a lot less interesting. And I mean this in a positive way. If Colonel Ty was in this position that Adama was in, if Colonel Ty gave the order, because he would walk down there, he would say, Danny, here's what happened. And just tell him right to his face. That is true. And Danny would do something or not. And he'd say, you understand I had to make the call I did, and you would have made it too, Danny. Exactly. Because Danny's the lieutenant. Danny knows that sometimes you have to make these kinds of difficult calls, given the situation. I, you know, I I think it's funny because Adama hemming and hawing over and thinking about it and, and getting too wrapped up in the personal feelings that he has for Bulldog is something Ty just doesn't do. And Ty would have, would have probably not prolonged this annoying situation. Mm-hmm. It's totally true. I, I I found myself thinking the same exact thing as I was watching this episode. That Ty and I mean, he, and that's the advice he gives to Adama is tell him the truth. And he's like, you're gonna tell him what you do. You're gonna tell him what you did. And he's like, tell him. You need to. Yep. That's that's the whole fight. It's not gonna make any difference. You know, any other way. You know, the past is the past. You just need to fucking tell him. And dude, that moment when when he's like. You know, I, I think Adama is saying, well, the past is the past. And then Ty, just without hesitation, you're equivocating. Mm-hmm. You're, just, you're just trying to mealy mouth your way out of, out of facing this. Yep. And, Me. <laughs> and then Adama, you know it worked because Adama's like, I don't know why the frack I came I know, down here. Exactly. And he walking around like, <laughs> ah, you got called. You know it. You know it. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so good. We get a couple of flashes of memories of Velen, which I thought was good. Ah, uh, it's brutal, man. I know. Brutal feels so bad for Ty still. <laughs> and Novacek comes to see him. 
He does indeed. And dude, the last thing he said to Adam before he left is, you know, uh, tell him because he's going to find out one way or the other. <laughs> and then he heads on down to his office. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to find out. That's for fucking sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. Can't yeah. believe it's really you. Yep. And then we have, um, again, this is this is the byproduct of what I think is kind of slipshod plot writing on this part of this episode. But it's good. The result of it is good. The stuff between Adama and um, Lee. Oh wait, no, they just they tease that and then they go back to Ty, don't they? Um, I, yeah, yeah, no, they we, do. Actually, we kind of we intercut between Lee and Adama talking and Ty and okay. uh, Novacek talking. Well, which actually, I, editing wise, I really liked. I, I dig liked it. the way they they went back and forth from here and kind of hammer home some of the messages by. Ty would say something, and then it would cut to Lee's reaction from something Adama said. Like, that was some nifty fucking editing. Right. Well, do you want to... Um, let's talk about the novacek Ty discussion. Yeah. How long do you get out of here? <laughs> Ty. <laughs> oh, you know, not that often. Been a little under the weather. Yep. But um, this, like you said, it's intricate with the other stuff, which they kind of move away from. Um, but essentially, Adama tells Lee, I shot him down. He's like, well, you're following orders. He's like, sure. I'm trying to avoid detection. Sure. Black Ops mission. Okay. Tell me more. Well, we were trying to ascertain the likelihood of a Cylon strike. Mm-hmm. That's it. Jamie, this is where you can Jamie Bamber's a good actor. Lee. He's a good actor, this guy. Jamie Bamber that plays Lee. I know I bust oh, Lee's yeah. chops sometimes, but he's solid. Great actor. Oh, he really is, man. Yeah. And him watching him start to realize, like, wait a minute, you guys were already anticipating or worrying about this? Not just that, but you're saying you knew they were out there? Right. I mean, that's... Up to the line. That's (laughs) massive. Yeah. Again, the premise of the whole entire beginning of the show. Dobbins says, well, we didn't know anything for sure. There were some theories and some circles. (laughs) I love the fucking, like, the... uh, I know. (laughs) There was in some circles. There was rumor that they were building a war machine. That's kind of what it comes down to. And I mean, see, what's so, and, and it comes back, I think, again to what what Rosalind even says later on at the end of the episode. Like anybody there in their right so mind many, would think that, though, if they vanished right, for forty exactly. years, like, absolutely, everyone would think that. There, it, it, there are just as many falsehoods as there are truths among these assumptions. Like, yeah, you don't know what they're doing. You you inherently don't know for sure what they're doing because you've had no contact for forty years. But it's not an insane assumption to think, well, we've been at war with them before. We know what they can are capable of and have done. And it's not a crazy assumption to think they might be building up forces again. I mean, that's that's what human history has done. <laughs> we've seen we've seen places go dormant for a while only to come back with renewed forces and, and more soldiers and mount a new attack. I'm so sure it's definitely I'm, I'm sure if you pulled ten thousand people let alone military people in the colonial fleet, that they would probably come up with a similar guess. What do you think they're doing? Oh, living peaceably far, far away. No. And not thinking about us at all. Yeah, not exactly. <laughs> perfecting uh, per- perfecting skin jobs is what they're doing. Exactly. That's what it's really doing. But yeah, he goes on to reveal that, yeah, they we thought they might have been building a war machine and we wanted to poke our fucking noses in there and, and see if we could see anything. Mm-hmm. And if Salons discovered you across the line, well, it'd be a perfect uh, breach of the armistice and they could attack you because it's an act of war. an act of war. Right. Yeah. So again, that is it. that's kind of what we're saying. We're saying that the crew of the Valkyrie under the, under the guise of the, under the orders of the Admiralty using a special ops 
using a black ops stealth ship started the Cylon War. Not really, though, That's, because they were probably yeah. coming either way, right? As, a, exactly. as, as Roslyn points out. Right, right. But um, we see the uh, flashback of good old two-eyed Ty. <laughs> <laughs> Healthy, strong, two-eyed Ty. And um, Ty doesn't seem down with this order at first. Right, yeah, not, not as eager about this, which seems like a Ty thing to do. Like, ugh, going to go pick a fight? And then um, they blow him away. But he, he, he ejects before the missile hits. Right, because he's first hit by Cylons, and then more unknown, two unknowns come up on Dratus, and they're headed straight towards intercepting the stealth fighter, which that is, you know, at this point, in the, at, when this mission was happening, that was the Valkyrie's main concern, was they can't find one of our ships intact, take it back, and then know for certain that it was us coming over the line in a stealth ship to come look at their shit because then they will for sure retaliate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why they went ahead and tried to hit it, shot a fucking missile at it. Absolutely. And I can only imagine if you, if you think about just the setting of Battlestar Galactica, how many Fringer types and merchant types have probably strayed into Cylon territory never to be seen again. Totally. But it certainly yeah. didn't start a war. So it would probably be a safe assumption that if you were to destroy the vessel without having it linked to any type of military markings, some sort of nondescript hull, that it could just be seen as some sort of mistake, something happened, we're not really sure, right? Yeah, it's exactly. just This is how governments do this shit all the time. Like, oh no, it's totally. rogue actors in China hacking everything in the U.S. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Have fun <laughs> when we jam a nuke up your ass. Oh, whoops, sorry. Just yeah, and how many times <laughs> have we lost a fucking plane that China's pulled out of the sea and been like, ah, we got it. <laughs> like, ah, fuck. <laughs> Teehee, got it. <laughs> your turn. Anyway, all governments throw time to do this. It's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I thought, I, I was thinking about this moment where Bulldog kind of steps to Ty and he's upset and Ty's like, whoa, hey, listen, sometimes surviving can be its own death sentence. Now, that is a great line of dialogue out of Ty in his current mental state, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I wish he would have told, I wish he would have tried to talk him down a little, but it makes sense that maybe he wouldn't hear because of where he's at mentally, yeah. right? It makes yeah. sense. I wish he would have said, oh, Suck it up, Buttercup. I feel like is a normal Ty advice here. But right. instead, he but lets right. him just kind of storm off, which I think is a mistake by Ty. But I also think it makes sense based on What's, where Ty's yeah, at mentally. Exactly. I agree that, yeah, it's kind of a bad judgment call. But but Saul is so deep down in his mm-hmm. own pain and guilt right now. And this is he's staring at a guy who's also also deeply fucking traumatized and and in pain over three years of being a Cylon POW, which I can't fucking imagine how, what kind of weird experiments and shit that must have entailed. Probably fucking mm-hmm. wretched. Um, but two very hurting men. Like, he came, as far as, like, getting good, healthy <laughs> advice about how to move forward, whoa, you came to the wrong place. This is, this is the wrong guy. But as, for somebody who can commiserate and kind of see the fire in him and and know that he's been wronged, uh, yeah, I mean, he pushes him. He just kind of, in a way, nudges him further in that direction. Yep. He's like, that son of a bitch didn't tell you. He didn't tell you the truth. <laughs> Take me through uh, Dama's breakdown. Oh, uh, the, the scene with, uh, wait, which scene is Lee it? when he's crying. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot he's still talking to Lee while Lee's upset. Uh, but yeah, that, yeah, they were not Tauron settlers. They were the Cylons. We essentially started it. I started it, he says. Yeah. Initiated. 
So good acting, good stuff. Do you think Adama, I know we kind of talked about this at the beginning, having talked the last hour, do you think Adama normally would feel this responsible for this? I don't. You know, I think I think it's one of those things where on a day-to-day basis, I'm sure he still thinks of it, uh, but day-to-day, you know, running the ship, especially running operations, I'm pretty sure it's way out of his mind, um, and it's not there. But having to actually look into the eyes of the person who you had to order to, you know, to shoot down one of your own men, and that was also possibly a you know, an initiating conflict for this whole war, he's on board your ship, he's right there, you had to look at him. I think it's just so at the forefront of his mind right now that it's bringing up newer, deeper feelings of, of responsibility and guilt. I like it. I like your analysis on this one. I, I would agree with that statement. I think it's just uh, fresh wounds. Yeah, exactly. That it's just right there. Let's talk about Starbucks investigatory work. Very cool. Dude, super good. Before we go there, though, one of my favorite lines from Adama here, and I think it goes back to his initial speech, which we played a little bit of, uh, of his, how he says, by crossing the line, I showed them that we were the warmongers that they figured us to be. Like, I think that's one of the most interesting, rare aspects of Adama. We don't get to see it too much in the show, but he is somebody who, and I think it really does, you see shades of it in his decision-making and the way he you know, makes some choices that might seem odd to other military officers. I think there's a part of Adama that really does, you know, we see it the most plainly in that speech in the miniseries, but there's a part of Adama where he really believes that, we might deserve this. Like us human beings are not anything more morally superior than the Cylons either. Like in, in a lot of ways, you know, he's a fucking career military man. He's, I'm sure he, that's probably not the only black ops operation <laughs> he was a part of. Uh, he's seen some shit. He's seen what we're capable of doing as well. And he's kind of feels at fault in, in certain ways. Not even, I think that's part of what this whole episode's about too, is not the direct, ooh, am I at fault for kicking off the conflict? But are we as human beings responsible? Are, are the Cylons just the consequences of our own bad choices? Mm-hmm. And we're always, as, as a species, making choices that come back to eat us. Sure, yeah, I, I think that's... just thinking about that. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely uh, on point. I, I, I believe that he... That what he said in the miniseries, he still believes. He, he I think, he, like you said, over 45 years. I mean, think of, I don't know what the average military career is. I don't know, four or five years. I have no idea. Let's say it's four years. I mean, we're 10 times, over 10 times as long. This guy's seen crazy shit, man. And he's seen big decisions made behind closed doors with you know, these high ranking people. And he's been sent on, like you said, black ops missions. Was this the first one? Probably not. Probably not. And he's probably forced to ask himself, what is it? Why are we so special? What's so special about us? Right. Why, you know, why are we so deserving of existence and not them? When it comes to uh, having life and death, death weighed in the balance, I'm sure he's seen the best and worst of humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Starbucks. He's taking it hard. Yeah. Starbucks, baby. Gotta love our Starbuck. Fucking, what does she do in her off hours? She goes She gets fucking, that fucking film room. She's on right, to Seattle. <laughs> Chomps off a fucking cigar, sits down, gets, gets into the fucking film room and starts She's, analyzing. If you look closely at that film room, it's only her, Belichick, and Brady in there. Only three people. That's it. <laughs> Running tape. <laughs> Running tape. They, they recorded while staying on the sideline. So yeah, man, crazy. It's uh, it's awesome. It's cool to see her back. It's funny. Remember, last time we saw Starbucks, she was getting flipped upside down in a chair. She was yeah. fucking off. She was sowing dissent. Think about it. 
And here That's she so is, true. haircut, working hard, putting time in on the film. That's it. She needed it. it. She needed the smack. Mm-hmm. Yep. Needed that, that pop. Yeah. But dude, yeah, it what I think is really cool about this footage too is that it's one of those things where it's actually very clear from the angle that she has on it. It's not like we have to be told what we're seeing. We as viewers kind of see it the same way. Like you see the two raiders behind the one and their fire patterns are just straight lines missing that other, you know, the raider that um, uh, Novacek's in by a good distance. Like they're firing parallel to him. Like they're not yeah. even crossing their fire towards him. Um, and it's, it's just so plainly obvious and she sees it and she's like, that doesn't make any sense. It's awesome. They're not even aiming at him. And I love that she took the time to look at this. She, she, totally. she was in there alone. This was not a debrief. We didn't see this given to her as an assignment. She just decided to let me investigate this in a way that I Starbuck and Ace pilot knows how. And that's, let me look at the nose cam footage. Let me see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And again, this exactly. is this goes back to the shout out to the TNG defector episode, which was also written by Ron Moore. There you go, <clears throat> and dude. I I also just love, and you know, it's been a, an episode or two since we've really gotten to talk about it. But this new relationship between her and Ty, she brings this straight mm, to Ty. Indeed. She doesn't try to bring it to to Adama or Gata or anybody else. Going to Ty, somebody else who again that division between people who are on Nuke Africa and people who weren't like they are very tight now. Um, and she just straight up says it. She's like, they have a point blank, no deflection shot on the ship and they don't take it. It's flying straight and level. Even one of the nuggets could make that kill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good ship. So Adama yeah, having Ty previously gotten a call. Oh, you want to say something Ty says? I was just saying, no, Ty sees it plain as day too. He doesn't really have to be convinced. Once no. He sees those yeah. Pictures. Yeah, of course. Um, having previously gotten a call from Novacek, Adama goes to see him because Novacek says, we need to talk. He says, I'll be right there. And he walks into the the uh, he walks through the bulkhead and gets ambushed by Novacek. Hardcore. Ooh, takes a pipe to the gut. Doesn't see it coming. Takes a shot in the face. Thrown on the floor. Head smashes into a table. And then Danny ties him up. Ooh. Funny how all the training comes back, huh? Indeed. What is Ooh. Danny doing? He has got a boner for vengeance right now, man. I guess. I mean, a real, he wants to talk to him. He wants to give him that talking vengeance. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Give him the monologue, the monologue villain speech. Yep. Why did you lie to me, Bill? I mean, it is, go ahead. No, it's interesting that that's what he's talking about. And I dig that. That's That's kind of an honor thing. It's not about you shot me down, I get the job. It's why did you lie about it? Right, right. And also, I mean, uh, th- this this actor, I didn't look up his name because I don't look up cast lists because of possible spoilers, but this actor is really fucking good in the scene, the guy who plays Novacek, where he's he's like, you know what kind of fracked up fucking dream I was holding this whole time that you were going to come back, that Bill Adama doesn't leave a man behind. He's not going to le- leave me here to rot. And boy, was I wrong. Like that, <laughs> oof. I mean, that is, I, can't, I feel like we can't overstate how brutal it would be as a fucking POW, three years holding on to this idea that Adama's out there, Adama's out there. Maybe he hasn't found me yet, but he's looking for me. He's looking for me. And you come to find out, you finally make it back, not just to the to the you know to the fleet or to you know to civilization for us, to Galactica, to Adama himself, and you find out not only was he not looking for you, he gave the order to shoot you down. 
that's, I mean, that's just such a huge pill to swallow. And what's so crazy, like we were saying earlier, I think if it, if this were Ty and he had just come straight up and said, "All right, let let we need to have a word. I need to tell you about this." And I've, I I don't think it would be smart to uh, you wouldn't want to tell him that on your own in a room. You don't want to have at least a guard or two with you, but you'd have to be like, "Hey, look, here's the truth. I made this call. We had you shot down. It was a bad call. I felt bad about it. it. Was what we thought we had to do in that moment, man. And I am sorry, but that's the truth. I feel like you could have possibly." If you'd given it to him in that way and been up front, I'm sure he'd be still fucking pissed, but that he might be able to come down from it. But him having to find out through somebody else, and it still seems like Adama's sidestepping him and not telling him the truth, I think that just adds to his rage. There you go. Played by Carl Lumley. From stage to screen, Carl Lumley is an actor respected for his steadfast talent, versatility, and class. He has 100 credits in television, film, and theater. Well, with his extensive critical acclaim, he portrayed CIA agent Marcus Dixon, the gentle modern man field partner to agent Sidney Bristow, Jen Garner. Um, In what? Uh, uh, alias. Oh, okay. Huh. I saw yep. a little bit of that show. He, um, oh, he was in Buckaroo Banzai as John Parker, which means he's one of the aliens. He's so you couldn't tell who he was. Oh. Um, he's, nice. holy shit, he's going to play Dick Halloran in Dr. Sleep. Oh. It, oh, shit. Sick, right? Dude, I could totally see that. Me he too. actually does kind of look like him. That's a really good casting call. That's a really good casting call. Holy shit. That's really Wait, awesome. Wait, are they making Dr. Sleep a movie or is that going to be like a show? No, like no, a, 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 a movie. Oh, it is a movie. Yep. Holy fuck. Directed by Man, Mike Flanagan. Like, now that you say that, and I, I literally have it paused on his face. I'm like, he kind of does have Scatman Crothers' nose. He like, does. They have like a similar face. Like, that's kind of perfect. By the way, Ewan McGregor is going to play Danny Turns. Uh, interesting. I'm in, okay. dude. I'm in. He can I mean, do I it. think he's a great actor who could do it, but I'm like, huh, that's a, yep. I've never pictured uh, Danny Torrance growing up into Ewan McGregor. Apparently Lumley was in A Cure for Wellness. I'd never seen that flick. I was, I was curious about it. Interesting. And he was yeah. in, yeah. This dude's good. Yeah, man, good stuff. So there's his movie credit. So we've talked about him before, but not directly. We probably didn't use his actual name um, with Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But yeah. But dude, I love I love this moment where he is so sweaty eyed, crazy intense right here. He's like, if I hadn't escaped, I'd be as good as dead right now. Like uh, I would be fucked. And Adama makes to be honest, slightly risky, but I think the excellent choice of pointing out, doesn't that seem pretty convenient? They left the door open for you and here you are on my ship. Yeah, absolutely. Good and, shit. And at first, I love how he's like, are you f- seriously trying to fucking take that away from me too? My escape, you're going to take that away from me? You <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> but he's right. What, I, what I'm trying to say is that you weren't good enough to fly the plane or escape. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're not a good soldier or a man. You're a coward. You didn't really kill that Cylon with that really cheesy fucking movie palm strike to the nose into the brain bullshit that doesn't really exist either. You didn't do that either. That's only in Schwarzenegger flicks. Holy shit, dude. I have to get some water. That last Adama impression just shredded my throat. Oh, oh my God. wow. Go get some. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. That did it good. Hold on just a second. All right. Matthew's going to take a. Matthew's going to step away while uh, I discuss um, nothing. Oh, you know what I want to discuss? I want to see if I can, while Matt steps away, I want to see if I can find the They Let You Escape um, the Defector Star Trek. See if I can find that scene. Um, Okay, I'm back. Jesus Christ. Thought I had a water bottle right near me and I had to go fucking searching around. (sighs) Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to find this moment here. 
on um, uh, bringing bringing a little trek into this shit, man. Bringing a little trek in. Uh, Wait, which I'm trek? Not, I'm not going to be. Able oh, to find the defector it. episode. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find it. Yeah. Oh yeah, here it is. I got it. Have a listen. It appear to be a base. I don't understand. He's Nelvana three, Admiral. No base. No weapons. No sign of any life at all. Records, timetables for completion. An entire legion was assigned to this section. Nope. Is it possible they could have been feeding you disinformation? Ah. Hell yeah. Disinformation. Good shit, baby. So, um, yeah, that was... I just wanted to put that on because I'm a fucking huge nerd. Um, nerd. So, um, a real, by the way, real quick, LSG connection. That guy, that's the human from Star Trek V that makes up that triumvirate on Paradise City. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. same actor, nice. same that actor. Dude. Yep. But, human um, representative. Yes, back to Battlestar Galactica. Sorry for that little interlude, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew it one day. One day an Adama impression was just going to fucking put <laughs> nails to the chalkboard of my throat. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's it. it. It was too much. All right, back to Danny being told. Oh, I sorry, I got sound here. Back to Danny being told, uh, he ain't shit. Man, you ain't, <laughs> he ain't shit. He ain't shit, shit dog, man. You ain't nothing. What's, it, what's the rapper he looks like? <laughs> Lil Yachty. <laughs> you just a Lil Yachty motherfucker. This Lil Yachty motherfucker. Yeah, he beats him. He beats him pretty good. He does. I mean, he's crushing his throat with a pipe and gives him another punch to the face. Yeah. And that's when our boy, our boy Ty intervenes, gun drawn. Pretty wild. Well I like, I, I, by the way, I love Ty's lazy fighting here. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> Obviously, Danny's a big fellow, but I just like how he just almost underestimates Ty, who lazily disarms him with a little joint lock technique. <laughs> it's true. Gets it out <laughs> of his hand and tosses him into a fucking cabinet. <laughs> Pretty cool. And then he whacks him one. Whack. Yeah. yeah. Bang. Fucking pipe in the back. Stay down. Stay Stay down. Love that line. Just hold, so it, hold it in his left hand. <laughs> <laughs> the truth hurts, bulldog, but it's better to know the truth than to live a lie. Mm, indeed. We're now, all soldiers and we're all expendable. Boy, so God, there are some. Yes, exactly. That's what he there needs There are to some hear. officers who would say that and you kind of roll your eyes like, okay, fucking ROTC grad. I've been in the <laughs> army for a year. Okay, yeah, we're all expendable. Sacrifices, uh-huh. But coming from Saul fucking Ty, yeah. I'm an ROTC. You need to respect me now. Okay, pal. (laughs) Sure, sure I do. Jesus. But, dude, (laughs) I'll take a big Big Mac and a small fry, by the way. (laughs) Dude, this one eyed fucking drunk bastard looking at you who murdered his own (laughs) wife and ordered his own soldiers on suicide (laughs) missions. This motherfucker means it. (laughs) He means it. He's so mean. We're all expendable, and I would have died down there, too. I'm sure he means that. Of course he does. Fuck. The Cylons let you go, and why? Because you were about to do exactly what they wanted just a minute ago. Just Ty's face. He's, oh, God, look at him. So grizzled. So fucking grizzled. I don't need more than one eye to put a pipe against your back, boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. 
Crazy. Oh, man. This is such a good moment. He finally just gets that hard dose of truth that, that uh, to be honest, Adama was afraid to give. Exactly. Didn't want it. Too, many, too much feelings wrapped up in it for, uh, for our boy, our special boy. <laughs> our special Adama boy. Our special Adama boy. He was too, uh, he had too many of the, he had too many feelings in his head. He, had, he didn't know what to do. He was I was a white frack. I came down here. <laughs> Your room looks stupid. He runs away. And dude, this, this moment of dialogue here after he, he goes over and checks on Bill, you know, and he comes back over to Danny and he's talking about, you know, the worst part about getting played is losing your dignity. And you, you, you hate it, but then you start to love it. And it's always there. You can keep reaching for it over and over and over again. Just essentially talking about the pain of it that you can just let yourself dwell in it. You can just live in it. You can, you can always go back to that well of how you were wronged and fucked over and just swim in the misery and hate everything because of it. Uh, he's like, it's, a, it's like a bottle that never runs dry, he says. And dude, a, a great fucking moment where Adama's like, so how do you put that bottle away, Saul? And he's like, I don't know. Awesome. I still don't know. One day you just get up and leave your room. And yeah. go and save your friend from a crazy soldier. <laughs> that's it, man. It's so good. That goddamn, that's good dialogue. Yep. And that that kind of wraps it up. We see. Well, this is when he goes to yeah, to Rosalind yeah. with his letter of resignation, and I cannot love her response enough. Your resignation. You have got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, are you fucking serious right now? Perfect. So good. This is the. This is also the most scolded child looking I've ever seen. Adama. He just looks so. Hmm, <laughs> just like I don't. I don't like none of this. Ah. <laughs> uh. It's yeah. so good. Sit down, Bill. It's time, it's time to fucking hash this out. Uh, you know, it's funny about this. This um, There's an episode. <laughs> I'm tying this back to Next Gen because we've been doing it all night with this episode. But this reminds me of The Measure of a Man, I believe. Is this the one? No, there's a, there's not, it's not this one. It's the one where... <sighs> I'm trying to remember his name. Cole Rami. I don't know. Cole Rami, Star Trek. What the fuck is that episode called? Um, peak performance. In peak performance, there's an episode where Data loses a game to a guy who's a master strategist at this particular game. And then Data's like, I'm defective. I need to resign. <laughs> and Picard does this. It's the same scene. Picard's basically like, this is ridiculous, right? Ridiculous. Learn from your fucking mistakes, you knucklehead. And I, right. and I just yeah. brought it up on... I just. I actually brought it up on Wikipedia real quick because I was curious. I'm like, wait a minute, is this is this fucking Ron Moore too? But it's not. It's uh, peak performance was written by David Kemper, not I could, Ron Moore. God, I could so see data like, sir, I've been studying ancient Japanese military <laughs> traditions, and I feel like I should probably commit seppuku. Yeah, it was just it one of those. It was just one of those moments where he was just like, "Oh, I'm defective. I need to run diagnostics on myself before I can return to duty." <laughs> I love just the, the implied arrogance in that, even though there is none. He's just a robot, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> just a rabbit. Good stuff. But yeah, and that's when she's like, "I'm giving you an award, <laughs> and you're gonna fucking take it." Yep, and it's not for you; it's for them. It's awesome. Yeah, that's fucking odd, dude. I love Rosalind in this scene. She's so good. And I mean, at first, I love how, again, she has him sit down and she's just like, I think you're being naive. 
And she's like, did you ever stop to consider that maybe the Admiralty had set you up to provoke a war that they'd always wanted? And just, I mean, to be honest, this is, this is I feel like, a very good exposition on at least my view of the world, <laughs> the way she says it. Of basically, like, it's naive to think that horrible things always have a simple explanation. Yes. That there, there's always some, oh, it's just this one thing. And she's like, because simple explanations make us feel like we have control when we don't. Uh, and that's, dude, that is, that right there is a solid lesson of 101 psychology. The human, human psychology can be summed up, not entirely, but a good chunk of it in that we want to feel in control of things that we are not in control of. Uh, and we try to rationalize anything that makes that, uh, that gives a, a chaotic, impossible to explain situation an explanation. That's, yeah. that's human beings. It's, almo- it's saying, almost, that's, that's almost the, that's almost the exact logic most people use to to debunk conspiracy, right? Right, right. Which is, there's, there's always a simple answer. It's not as complicated as you think, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's interesting. Interesting. Also, that- I mean, to be honest, I, I always apply that in the opposite direction to a lot of conspiracy theories of you are making a, a grandiose, complicated uh, idea that comes down to a simple conclusion of the all this crazy shit happened so that they could do this one thing but at the end of the day it's like well why like why so much why would there be this much trouble this much coordination among thousands if not hundreds of thousands of actors to to pull this off for what which like, is funny it, because in this episode like she's using it to directly explain a conspiracy right it's kind of right. ironic hilarious funny which is, dig it. it makes sense because it's, you know, this kind of Gulf, Gulf of Tonkin thing. They're kind of paralleling a little bit here. But, um, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> I like how he's like, you're going to sit there and take your award. You're going to like it. <laughs> you're going to take that. You're going to let me pin that fracking metal on you. <laughs> you're going to like it. So Novacek says <laughs> goodbye for now, maybe? I, dude, I am hoping. One thing I was worried about in this episode was that Novacek was going to get killed off, and that would have put a serious dent in how much I like this episode. I was like, if you really introduce this character who was never mentioned before and is this integral to Adama's story as a person and then kill him off in the same episode, I would be very annoyed by the writerly convenience of that. Like, that would be fucking annoying. But the fact that Adama actually brings him out his uh, flight uniform, his officer's uniform, and says, you, you know, once an, uh, uh, you know, a pilot, you're always a pilot. You know, you're not getting off that easy, he says. I love that. I, I could totally see, and I hope that Bulldog does come back in a later episode as a pilot. Maybe they pull more people in. Maybe he steps back up and becomes an active duty pilot again. Like that would be cool for this person to get back into the mix. Um, I don't. You don't need to be a new main character or anything, but I, I, it would have been way too stupid and easy for them just to be like, oh, and and he tried to go for the kill again, and Ty wasted him. I'd be like, ugh, that's too. That's just too easy. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, like the direction. There. What do you think of the moment where the with the thing with the uniform and they try to give it to him? He's like, oh, no, I can't. Why do you think he says he can't? I, I think he feels guilty for how he behaved. Me too. He, he feels too. like I've, I was out of duty for a long time and I came back and attacked my superior officer, uh, tried to kill him. I, I, I feel like too ashamed to, to do this. Um, and I feel like – and also this is another great example of a time – that I think Adama is right in accepting kind of extenuating circumstances. Like, I think we can give, I think Novacek can get off on uh, time served. <laughs> I think it's fair. The dude was prisoner of war with the Cylons for three fucking years. I think it's like, ah, 
you know what? He got some licks in on me, and that's all right. We'll just go give that a pass. That's okay. Um, I think that's actually believable. Yeah, me too. Uh, Ty. Oh, man. Oh, so good. So fucking good. I like the way he walks, the way he looks around Bill's quarters. He's like, (laughs) here I am. (laughs) All disheveled as shit. Even his body language. Like they, even the way he carries himself. Totally. Oh my God. Totally. (laughs) I like that. I like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Give him for anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's attendance, playing well with others. Destroyed my throat. Destroyed. (laughs) So why are you here? Dude. I love, dude, the honesty here. He's like, I don't know, nothing. So you want him to tell me what happened with Ellen? Oof. I think I need a drink. I love that we don't see this conversation. I love the way they shoot it and the way they sit down at the table. I think that's perfect. It is fantastic. It was a excellent, perfect cap on this episode. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think it is such a great and earned resolution to to Ty's story here of being the broken man um that he stepped up in a moment of need to facing against somebody else who was uh, somebody acting out of great and horrible pain um I think that resonated with him and that's that's why he gives that speech to to Danny where he's like you can live in this pain and misery forever like you can just keep doing that and it's it's not worth it to live in this lie and to just be full of hate but at the same time he's kind of telling that to himself yeah for sure. And that's just fucking excellent, man. It's excellent. I love this ending. Good ending. No question. So solid. And that's that. There we are. So there's one listener comment I'd like to read uh, by Julie Katulak. She says, I have a couple problems with this episode. One, it feels not fully formed. It's unclear what its purpose is. If it's meant to be set up, it's weak. Two, and this is more dialed in and nitpicky. Why didn't Adama and Bulldog have a plan in case they were caught with Bulldog over the line? That wasn't poor planning. It was no planning at all. Plans would have let Bulldog know what to expect and Adama not to feel as guilty. That's assuming that the plan would have been to leave Bulldog behind. Overall, not my favorite episode. So in Julie's comment, I think we did address a couple of the things, which is it wasn't necessarily the being left behind so much as it was being lied to about it. Right? His anger is at not being told. I get what she's saying, though, 100%. A lot of her problems were my problems, just plot-wise. But she's saying, what's the... Well, 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 let's start one of the... Well, let's go through the beginning. We're confusing ourselves. What's the purpose of the episode? That's a really deep question, and when... And you know how pedantic I can, you know, turtles all the way down. You know who I am, so... (laughs) (laughs) Once you... When you ask me the purpose of an episode, you might get a really pedantic and annoyingly over over explained and philosophical answer so i'll let you take a crack at that well for me i mean i'll say what's the purpose of the show what's the purpose of anything unless she means in the larger right really cracking open the philosophical but you know what i'm saying i guess i guess maybe what she means by that is in the larger narrative which is something we well, I touched upon, which is it's kind of sandwiched between a couple of running arcs, and it just kind of comes out of left field. Which, which, if that's what Julie's saying, I totally get what she's, where she's coming from. Well, I see it as kind of what we just said at the end here, that this episode for me served as a the, the mirror that Ty had to look into to see himself. And, and that's what Danny is for him. And I feel like the, the overall, I would say, takeaway purpose of this episode, at least in my interpretation... Uh, is this is 
Ty getting a finally getting a handle around his own guilt um and and just being able to to deal with that. Do you think it's deal with guilt his or own anger? Just Both. I mean, I think well well let me let me let me ask a couple questions. In what way and I think I know the answer. And I've been doing a lot of question asking tonight, but the only, that's only because I'm more interested in your thoughts about this episode than my own, to be perfectly frank. So what, yeah. how would you say Novacek mirrors Ty? Mm. Just as a person who feels wronged uh, and left behind. I like it. Because, I mean, that's that, to, to Ty, in his mind, the greatest, not the sin, but because he wasn't truly left behind, he knew Adama. In, in a way, there's also an interesting opposite that they each had, that he held on to a hope of Adama coming back, and he got that. He got that wish. Adama did come back and did save them. It was just at terribly great cost to to Tal, to Saul. Um, like he he lost a ton in that and is embittered, even though he was rescued. Um, and I think it, it's just been a hard pill for him to have to swallow. That I suffered down there and I made it through, and we got out of there. But I lost my wife. I lost my eye. I watched lots of my own men and women that I cared about die in the service of trying to get the fuck out of there. And he feels just embittered and wronged. Like, what did I do all this for if we still lost so much? Um, and I think he sees that same kind of anger in Novacek that like, I did what I was supposed to do. I did my mission and I got fucking betrayed and left to die. Uh, what, what do I get from this? And I think just seeing that same kind of embittered anger uh, and having to, to reach out to it and get through to him in a way that Adama couldn't forced him to, to see what was in there in himself. Good stuff. This is, this is, this is the episode that brings Ty back. There you go. All right, man. Um, that seems probably like a good spot for you to have said your final thoughts. Is there anything else you want to add to that? I am. Call me tapped. All right. That's it. Well, um, I, will, I will add some final thoughts of my own. I, I will say that your observations and your passion for this episode have swayed my opinion. Um, it's, it's moved the meter quite a bit into a much stronger like than I had originally anticipated. So well done. Um, nice. I am, uh, I'm not beyond convincing, especially if I can be led to things I may have missed or, or just interpreted differently. So I, I, I feel, um, I feel good about that. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, cool. On the f- You're welcome. On the other side of it, I still, I still am a little bit just bummed out by the stuff, the, the, the stuff that I was, a bunch of stuff that I was bummed out for, I don't really care about anymore after talking to you about it. A couple things I am still a little bit bummed out for, and that's just the kind of the connection in, in, in the idea that a Battlestar had contact through a stealth ship with the Cylons, and it just kind of diminishes the the whole premise of the show a little bit to me, which is, I guess, the biggest bummer for me. Um, but other than that, I like what I saw. I liked the acting. Again, I think this show, there's a few shows that can do this, and uh, I think this is definitely one of them. Um, and that's, the performances are very good enough to carry what can sometimes be, you know, some things that tend towards being a little bit on the silly side. Um, I right, still think shady. Black Market's the worst episode we've covered. Yeah, agreed. No question. And um, I think that this is uh, this is much better than I originally gave it credit for on a first watch. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say I have a solid like on it. Um, with my with my uh, my grievances are still filed, but I've but I've withdrawn mm-hmm. some of them. If to, to be fair, 
Nice. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. I'm a solid love on this one, man. I really, I'm high on this one still. All right. So we will be coming back at you in two weeks and we're going to be covering season three, episode nine, unfinished business. This will be a very Ooh. interesting discussion. I'm really worried. Tantalizing. Not worried. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm dreading it. I don't know why I said worried. My fucking, I can't <laughs> podcast tonight. Apparently I have no words. I am excited about the discussion that will come from this episode. Um, and that's all I really have. So yeah, uh, special thanks to uh, anyone who's listening to this. Uh, do me a favor, share an episode with a friend. If you know somebody who hasn't seen Battlestar Galactica, for sure get them to watch it and then get them to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's a great companion piece, as you know, if you haven't seen this show, because there are no spoilers. Um, oh, that's it. And that's that. So um, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Anderson, who's going to tell you all goodbye. Stay fracky out there. Goodbye.